Hey folks, Chuck Holton here. It's a beautiful morning in southern Israel and I'm actually standing in the backyard of somebody that many of you might know or at least know of. His name is Dalton Thomas and Dalton is a uh, amazing filmmaker that I had recently had a chance to interview in Panama as he was working on his latest feature documentary or feature film actually. Uh, he's really gotten deep into filmmaking. He has a great humanitarian organization called FAI, uh, which I think is Freedom Alliance International or something like that. And he has a home here in northern Israel. So it's a beautiful day in northern Israel. I'm actually looking out across the, it's called the uh, Hula Valley. Uh, that used to be a, a, an enormous lake. It's about 10 miles north of the Sea of Tiberias. And in the 1950s, the lake was drained to make way for agriculture, which was great, uh, but they had to actually go back later and bring back part of the lake because it was wiping out whole species of animals and things like that. Uh, you can hear all the birds. This place is an absolute treasure trove of uh, wildlife and birds. They have millions of uh, birds that come through here all the way up from the Rift Valley of Africa and come through here migrating every year. As I look out over this valley, there are literally, I should actually turn this around so you can see. Uh, I don't know if you can see out over the valley very well there, but there are just hundreds of birds that are uh, flitting around here this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning. And you can see clear out across there, those mountains off in the distance are Lebanon. So this is right on the Lebanese border. We're up in the furthest point north in Israel, that little, little point of land that goes up into Lebanon and on the right side uh, or to the east, you'd, you'd see they actually touch Syria. And of course, this is a hotbed uh, right now. This is one of the hot zones in Israel. Uh, everybody has been kind of focusing on the uh, what's going on in the Gaza Strip and in the south. But in reality, uh, this is also a very busy spot because uh, Hezbollah is just over there to the north and to the west and so there had actually been a lot of fighting and stuff going on here in the last couple of days yesterday when we got here uh, we tried to find a good place to do some live broadcasting and uh, so we worked our way up to the northern part of Kiryat Shimona which is the the major town up there uh, and about as far north as they would allow us to go because the military is concerned for our safety uh, and so when we got to a good spot where we had a good view and we set up our cameras and everything like that, um, about that time there were mi missile exchanges or rocket exchanges between Hezbollah in Lebanon and the IDF in Israel and they were both going right over our heads shooting at each other. So if you're in a spot where the, the two warring parties are shooting at each other and you're between them, that's not usually the best place to be. Although if you're a war correspondent, it makes for good television. So, uh, you know, we, we uh, had to hit the dirt once uh, because of the incoming rocket from Hezbollah, which actually landed, we're not really sure, but probably about a kilometer away from where we were standing or where we were laying in the dirt at that point. 
Um, what surprised me is just how fast it got there. I'm sort of used to, you hear the air raid siren in Ukraine, and that usually means that there's been a, a jet that's taken off from somewhere in Russia, and you might have three to five minutes or more to take shelter if you, if you decide to. Uh, here, you have a matter of seconds. I think it was about 15 seconds before the rocket hit from the moment we heard the, uh, the siren go off to the moment the rocket hit, and it was very close to us. So that was uh, exciting. <clears throat> so Dalton was kind enough to allow us to stay in his guest house while we uh, were up here because there are no hotels open. Uh, the, all the hotels are either full uh, uh, you know, journalists or troops or something pretty much around the country. Uh, here, they weren't even open at all. Uh, the restaurants were virtually all closed. We did manage to find one little shawarma shop last night that was feeding pretty much everybody in town because they were the only place that was open. Um, this is kind of common for war zones. Uh, it's uh, something that I've had to deal with a lot in my career. You have to run around and uh, you know, just finding the resources for everyday life, especially if you're a traveler, if you're not a local and if you don't live there, uh, sometimes can be very difficult. And you have to think very hard about, um, think ahead about fuel, about food, about shelter, uh, about safety, uh, things like that. Uh, so as exciting as it was yesterday for uh, the rocket attacks and everything, I say exciting. It's not exciting for people in Israel. Uh, and it's, it's life or death here. So I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying that you do get an adrenaline rush when you got to dive in a ditch and then a bomb blows up. But uh, probably the more dangerous thing that happened to us last night was uh, after dark, as we were coming up this, uh, uh, up the very windy road coming up the mountain. Um, I got a call from Newsmax saying, hey, we had somebody scheduled for a, an interview and they canceled on us. Can you do a quick live hit just right where you are, just very quickly, uh, you know, come, on, come up live and do a live hit for us. And so I was like, well, you know, I, uh, I'm right in the middle of, you know, nowhere really, but there is a view of the city down there so yeah, let me just pull over to the side of the road and we'll just do a quick live hit uh, looking down at the city. Now, of course, from as far away as we were, which was miles and miles away from the city, you could just sort of see the twinkly lights off in the distance. It's not like there was anything of tactical or strategic value that we could give away by showing you know, a, a view of the, the town down there. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, th I have to think about those things. As a journalist in a war zone, you've got to be very cautious about what you're showing and when you're showing it because you don't want to tell bad people things they don't need to know. Uh, you don't want to put anybody's life at risk because if you show things live, especially, uh, you can show where certain assets are. You know, if you're standing in front of an Israeli tank and you do a live broadcast, uh, then the enemy knows that that's where the tank is and they might, might very likely send a rocket your way. So, you know, you have to think about that stuff. So I did. I looked at it and I said, well, there's nothing, uh, you know, that, that could get us in trouble here. So we pulled over, put the flashers on, set up a tripod. And that's about as far as we got. Uh, uh, there was actually a couple of IDF soldiers that had stopped there as well because it was kind of a, 
a nice view of the city and they were taking pictures of the city and smoking a cigarette. They then got in their car and drove off and, a, and right as soon as they drove off, another car came down the, the road, uh, down the hill, a very expensive BMW, about a $100,000 BMW. And uh, it pulled over kind of just in front of our car uh, and just stopped for a minute. And so I, at first, you know, I looked at it and I thought, well, I didn't really think anything of it. But then um, a guy got out of the car and first, first thing that went through my mind, that guy looks like a, like an Arab. Now there are Arabs in this region. There are actually whole Arab villages up here in the northern part of, uh, 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 of Israel. There are Christian villages. There are Druze villages. There are Jewish villages. Um, and they get along okay, uh, typically. And so just the fact that this guy was Arab wouldn't have concerned me too much, but he was very angry. Just, you could tell just the way he was walking and he was, he got out of the car and immediately started screaming at us. And I don't mean like, you know, he was raising his voice. He was screaming at us and screaming like, like life or death screaming. Um, and of course I don't speak, uh, I don't speak Hebrew, but then I noticed that he was saying some words that I recognized from Arabic. And so I was thinking maybe he was speaking Arabic. And so I was a little concerned and he had a very bulky, uh, shirt on and he started reaching back behind him like this as if he was uh, reaching for a gun. And I started going, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Hey man. Hey man, we're, we're unarmed, you know, whatever. And he's came up just, you know, chattering away. And I said, English, English, I don't know, uh, press, 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 you know, media, media, journalist, you know. And he's just screaming at the top of his lungs at us. And, and I'm like, you know, hey, hey, chill out, chill out. So I very carefully pull out my wallet and show him my press badge. He didn't even want to see it. He didn't want to see that press badge. And the more I, you know, stood there, the more angry he got. And he, there was somebody else in the car as well, but they stayed in the car. He started like pulling his gun and, and I was like, Hey, 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 you know, it's, it's a, just chill out, chill out. And I, it was obvious he wanted us to leave. So I was like, well, okay, we'll leave, we'll leave. You know, so we quickly threw the tripod in the back of the car. We got in our car and passed him going and went off down the hill. And, um, he, jumped in his car and came right after us and was just like riding my tail uh, all the way down the hill. And I was going nice and slow, you know, like, Hey, no threat, no threat. We get down to the bottom of the hill and there's a T intersection there. And on the left, there's a checkpoint with some IDF soldiers. And so I was unsure like which way we should go. He starts just laying on the horn, yelling out the window, pointing at the IDF soldiers. So I got the impression he wanted us to go over there so i pulled over very slowly the idf soldiers lights on in the car hands visible you know i, I know i know how to do this i i just and he pulled up next to our car and kind of tried to like run us off the road into that checkpoint so i i just stopped the car and got out and you know hands visible and he's pointing, uh, I don't, I couldn't tell in the, he was, it was dark in his car. If he was pointing his gun at me or if he's pointing his hand at me, but it, I was very uncomfortable and I thought this is really a bad thing. Of course, with all the screaming and commotion and everything, there were about nine 
IDF soldiers who jumped up, they got their weapons, they're, they're all coming at us, you know, they're spreading out, you know, like this is, this could be really bad. And I'm like, whoa, 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 guys, hey, 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 does anybody speak English? English, English. Fortunately, one of the IDF soldiers was an American guy who spoke perfect English and he came up and he said, what's going on? And I said, we're journalists, we're media. I already had my card in my hand. I gave it to him. He looked at it, he was like, what? And this guy's like losing his mind, this, this, this guy that had stopped us. He's, he's just, you know, just losing his mind. And they're like trying to calm him down, you know, and I'm like, what is up with this guy? I, I don't understand him. He's pointing his gun at us. I, and they're like, I, we don't know. It's just, hang on a second, hang on. So I just was quiet and they kind of took him off there and he's just practically jumping up and down with his hair on fire, uh, you know, waving his arms and screaming and everything. And they're trying to calm him down. And uh, it turned out it was just, he saw us parked our car up there and he thought we were terrorists and um and and he was virtually certain he had found some terrorists that were doing god knows what i mean we had a camera and a try i mean not even a camera we had an iphone with a, and hadn't even put it on the tripod yet um but he just got it in his brain that we because we didn't speak hebrew we must be hezbollah terrorists now I'm with Oscar Ramirez, he's Mexican. We've been joking about the fact that he looks a lot more like a, a, a Muslim terrorist than I do. But in this case, it might've actually been true. He might've seen Oscar and thought, that guy looks like he's, he, he's not Israeli. And uh, so, you know, we didn't have our, our press vests on or anything like that. I should probably uh, make it a habit to wear that a little more often. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, they finally got him. To, they they just told him, all right, look, you just take off. We got this. And so he jumped in his car. Man, he burned rubber and he went spitting down the road. Just he was still so mad. And uh, then the, the IDF guys were like, man, I don't know what's up with that guy. But you guys are, look, don't worry. You're fine. But unfortunately, you're going to have to, we're going to have to detain you here until the police get here because he called the police and said that there were, that you were terrorists. And so we're like, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, I was supposed to do that live hit. We never got to do the live hit. We <laughs> that did not happen. Um, and so we stood there and talked to these IDF soldiers, and they were very kind. They were very reasonable, like m almost all of the people we have met here. We've been through a lot of checkpoints, as you can imagine, uh, since we got up, up here to the north, especially. And you go through the checkpoint, you show them your right press ID, and they say, great, you're good to go. I mean, that press ID shows that you've been vetted, it shows that you've registered with the government, and it shows that you have the right to report on what's going on. One of the questions that the IDF soldier, one of them asked me, he said, how do you decide which side to report from when you go to a conflict, like, like a, um, in, in Ukraine and Russia? Like, how do you decide whether you should go to Russia or whether you should report from the Ukrainian side? How, in Armenia, how do you decide if you should report in Armenia or from Azerbaijan? And I said, well, there's a very easy way that I decide which side to report from, uh, other than the moral component. Uh, I, first of all, I like to report, uh, uh, go to the side who is being attacked unjustly. Uh, but secondly, I, it, it's easy to tell who's on the right side of this because all you have to do is ask, where could I go and report 
and say something negative about my, the, the country that I'm in if I see them doing something wrong. So if I saw some uh, IDF soldiers shooting a, uh, an, an unarmed civilian and I said, I saw some IDF soldiers shooting an unarmed civilian, here's the footage, that's wrong. The IDF, uh, well, my question would be, what would the IDF do to me? What would the Israeli government do to me? Um, and the answer to that is they would likely take me in for questioning, take my video, and if it was true, they would prosecute the soldiers who did that. Now, what would happen if I went to any place that's owned by Hamas or Hezbollah and I saw them torturing somebody and I filmed it and I went on TV and said, this is wrong, what would they do to me? They would murder me. I mean, I wouldn't even get the footage shot and they would murder me. What, how, that's how I decide, you know, you go to Ukraine. If I went to Ukraine, and I have done this, I have in Ukraine reported on things that Ukraine has done that were war crimes, uh, that some Ukrainian soldiers shot some uh, Russian prisoners or, or tortured some Russian prisoners. And I've gone on television and said, here's the video, that is wrong. And Ukraine has allowed me to do it. They haven't kicked me out. They haven't. They, they have prosecuted the guys that, that did the, the thing that was wrong. If I tried that in Russia, they would murder me. There's this guy, Patrick Lancaster, that reports from the Donbass, and he pretends he's this you know, independent journalist. He reports exactly what the Russian propaganda is putting out, and nothing more and nothing less. And I keep telling, I, I keep posting on his Twitter, just once, man, just once say something that is contrary to the narrative that Russia is putting out and see if you don't disappear. Show me that if you want to say, you want people to know you're a real journalist, tell the truth about what's going on over there in a way, because there is proof that he was present when there were war crimes taking place. Uh, Bellingcat, which is an open source intel organization, has shown the videos of his, that he has filmed with units that were known to be committing war crimes. And he never reported on it one bit. So um, that's how I make the decision. And the, the IDF uh, soldier I was talking to said, that's, that's very interesting. I never really thought of it that way, but you're right, that's, that's really cool. Um, they were very nice. They all shook our hands uh, and, and wished us well. And he said, man, we respect you guys. Uh, you're doing a dangerous job out here. He said, I wouldn't do your job without being able to be armed at least. He said, they don't let you guys carry guns. And I said, not usually. Uh, although I, I wouldn't mind. And even if I had carried a gun, it probably would have only made things worse in most cases uh, since we've been here, uh, especially last night with that guy that just was... Uh, that guy was throwing the ball over the fence, man. He was, he was hot. Anyway, so uh, that's our update from northern Israel. We're probably going to stay up here a little bit uh, this morning and this afternoon and then come back to Jerusalem tonight after President Biden leaves because uh, President Biden, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to be anywhere near that guy because they, they shut down everything. When the president shows up, you're just going to sit in traffic for five hours, and I'd rather not do that. So uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Look, 
If you've just joined the channel, go back and watch some of our old content. There's a lot of good stuff there, and there's a lot more good stuff coming. You can support me, if you'd like, on chuckholton.locals.com. Uh, you can see me on Newsmax and on CBN News uh, doing live broadcasts and putting packages up while I'm here and wherever else I go. Uh, and so I really appreciate your support. Like and subscribe here on YouTube as well. Take care. I'm Chuck Holton.